Amen. Thank you, seniors. Parker, Abby, thank you for leading us. Catherine, thank you for stepping up this morning. Ethan wasn't able to be here today, so appreciate you stepping up and leading us in prayer. And uh, it's Memorial Day weekend, and that's kind of the time that, uh, that Norman does graduation with the high schools graduating on Thursday and Friday before Memorial Day weekend and families coming in. So we have, as a church, have made the choice to say this is the weekend that we want to celebrate and recognize our graduates as hoping that families can come and stay those extra days to, to be a part of this special worship service as well. But as a nation and as a, as a community, it's also the weekend that we uh, remember. We remember those who have sacrificed so much for our nation, even to the point of giving their own lives. And that is, has come uh, many different ways through military service, of course, uh, sacrificing their lives of, of our uh, of our citizens in war as they would give their lives for the freedoms that we share. And so we certainly want to take time to say thank you to those who, whose families have lost family members who take this weekend to remember those who have given the ultimate uh, sacrifice. I know it's also a time where we just take to remember our families and those who've passed before us. I know in, in my father's uh, tradition, family that he has is always a, a trip to the cemetery to remember and to, to thank God for those who've gone before us as well. It's also, I think, a time to recognize and to say thank you to those who've served our nation. So I would like to just say thank you to those who've served our, our nation through military as first responders in different ways like that, through other, other ways of service. Your sacrifice, your gifts uh, mean so much. And on this weekend that we celebrate and recognize our graduates, it's important to realize, graduates, that we're part of a, a larger community, a larger nation. And uh, that now it's our opportunity as young adults, as we prepare, as we move out of high school, that we take the opportunity to, to look ways we can give and sacrifice for our own community and for our own nation and nations for Michaela, right? Um, it's also a time, and, and we don't do this very often, but I think there are those times where it's important to pause. Our communities, our state has been racked with weather, uh, just horrible weather over these last few days, last few weeks. And certainly last night we were aware of the, the storms that went through El Reno. The last report that I heard was that two were dead. And so I think it's appropriate before I begin my time to just pause and to, to say thank you, to remember, to offer God's grace and prayers for those that are struggling, even this morning, as they try to understand the devastation that their community has suffered. Farmers up in the northern and western parts of our, our state wondering what they're going to do with their crops, if the harvest is going to come in. So it truly is a time where we should go to God and ask God's prayers and blessings. So let's pray. Father, it's, it's been several years since we've experienced the weather as we have over these last couple of weeks. And while we have been spared in Norman much of the devastation and much of the, uh, the devastating floods and storms that many of our in our state have experienced, many of our family members and friends that, that live north and west of us, um, we would pause today, pause in this moment to ask that your presence and that your comfort be mighty in these communities and these families. Lord, our hearts break as, as we understand the fear of devastating storms coming through, as, as we understand what it may, means to, to seek shelter as the storms rage and as they come in around us. And so our hearts go out because we understand. Our hearts go out to those that have suffered the ultimate loss of losing family members and friends over these last uh, last hours, these last weeks. 
Father, we pray that You would be with our, our state as we come together, as we come together to walk together and to help each other through the healing. I, I pray that You would just call Your church, call Your people to come alongside of those that are suffering, those that are hurting, those that are, are trying to re- recover from uh, the storms of these last days and weeks. Father, we also take time to pause to give thanks for those who've given their lives for our freedoms. Freedoms that too often we take for granted, that we just almost forget about because they're so much a part of our lives. And yet we know the cost has been significant and great. And we know that in each generation you call a new generation to sacrifice, a new generation to serve, a new generation to give. And so we pray for our nation, even as today, as we remember that we would look to the future and that we would look for ways that we can give ourselves Give ourselves and our families, our communities, and even to our nation. And Father, we pray that your light would shine brightly from your people. That we would be salt and light in this world in which we live, in this nation in which we live. And Father, that you would bless your people so that we might continue to be a blessing in this place. Now Lord, as we continue to focus and celebrate the milestone of our graduates, we pray that you would Uh, Just bring wisdom as we open your word, that you would bring instruction and encouragement as we look to the future. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Very good. It was one Sunday morning, and the pastor was coming into the foyer area, and he noticed that one of his little friends, little Johnny, was standing there. And Johnny was about seven years old, and he was staring up at one of the plaques in the foyer of the church. He was kind of puzzled. He, he didn't really understand. He couldn't read that well. And, and so the pastor came alongside of him and said, Good morning, Johnny. How are you doing? Johnny said, Well, okay. What are you looking at? Well, I'm, I'm looking at this plaque. What, what's it mean? And he said, Well, Johnny, this, this plaque is, is a plaque that we've hung here so that we can remember. And these names are the names of those Men and women who have died in the service. It's important that we remember them. And Johnny looked at the plaque and he and the pastor stood there very quietly and very solemnly and trying to understand the significance of this moment. And then finally, Johnny looked over at the pastor and he said, which service, sir, the 8.30 or 10.30? (laughs) Now we, we can laugh, but that certainly... Uh, does it neglect the importance that we take time to remember. Remember those who've sacrificed and given to us. And also, remember the stories of Scripture. And I wanted to share a story with our graduates today, maybe one you're not familiar with, but it comes out of Acts chapter 20, and it really fits better with the story I just told you. It's about a young man named Eutychus. And today we celebrate Parts of the stories of some of our young men and our women, you've already met them, Michaela and Alex, Megan and Parker and Catherine and Erica. And we're here to celebrate your stories today and to walk with you and to encourage you as this is such an important milestone in your life. But I want to share with you this story of Eutychus and I want to read a couple of uh, verses before and after his kind of part to set some context but uh, hopefully we won't have any issues like this today from our young people in the service. We begin in verse 5. 
Now, Paul is, is said that we're set in the context here, but these, these who were traveling with Paul had gone ahead of him and were waiting for him, were waiting for us at Troas. We sailed from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, that's the, the Passover, and they came to them at Troas within five days. If you look at your map, you'll notice that it doesn't look that far from Philippi to, to Troas. And yet it took them five days in that time to get across the, the sea there where it was at. Now they say because of the currents and the winds in that part of the, uh, the, the, the sea there, that on the way from Troas to Philippi, you can get there in about two days. So again, coming against the currents and against the wind, it took them five days to get from Macedonia to Troas, from Philippi to Troas. And on the first day of the week, that's on Sunday, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul began talking to them. Intending to leave the next day, he prolonged his message until midnight. Now, seniors, I pro graduates, I promise you I'm not going to be here till midnight. Many of you are hoping we're out of here by noon, right? Um, he prolonged his message until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where they had gathered, and there was a young man named Eutychus who was sitting on the windowsill. Now, it's about three stories up. He's sitting on the windowsill. They're up in an upper room. There's no electricity, no, uh, no air conditioning. And so you had all of these lamps that are burning. You have the, the fumes from those lamps that are burning to try to, uh, to, to make light in the room at night. It's, it's growing late. And so I'm sure it's warm. It's, um, uh, there's not a lot of fresh air. And so Eutychus has found a spot on the windowsill three stories up where he can listen, catch some fresh air, and, uh, and, and listen to Paul. And so we, we pick up the story. He was sitting on a windowsill, sinking into a deep sleep. And as Paul kept on talking, he was overcome by sleep. Well, there's got to be a good preacher joke there, doesn't there? Please, don't, if, don't ever feel guilty about falling asleep. You know, people pay good, good money to find ways to fall asleep. And to come here and to get a little short nap is a good thing at times, right? <laughs> so don't apologize if, if you take a little, little, little nap here while we're, we're talking, while the preacher's doing his thing. But he was overcome by sleep, and he fell down from the third floor, and he was picked up for dead. But Paul went down. Can you imagine the chaos that ensued? Oh, where'd Eutychus go? He fell, he fell out of the window, and they all would have run downstairs to see if they could find him and, and to see if he was okay. But when Paul went down and fell upon him, and after embracing him, he said, Don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. His life is in him. And when he had gone back up and had broken the bread and eaten, he talked with him a long while until daybreak, and then he left. They started at dinner. They had a little break at midnight, and he kept talking until breakfast. But they took away the boy alive, and they were greatly comforted. But we, going ahead to the ship, set sail for Asos, attending from there to take Paul on board, for so he had arranged it, intending himself to go by land. And then when they, when they met at Asos, we took him on board. So the ship met him there, and then they went from there to Middleton. And we'll stop right there. Now, to kind of set the context of our story, remember where Troas is. Remember Troas is that place on, on Paul's second missionary journey that he has a vision. 
He has a vision that God is calling him into Macedonia. There's, there's a, a vision of a woman who's calling, waving him over. And so it's from Troas that Paul goes to Philippi and he goes into there into to Macedonia. He goes into Greece, into Athens, to share in Corinth to share the gospel of Jesus. So Troas is a key central place for the gospel. And certainly while Paul was in Troas, there was a church that started. And so now here we are, several years later, Paul is coming back through. He's been to, to Greece. He's been back to Macedonia. In fact, the scripture tells us he's leaving from Philippi. And he goes from Philippi to go back to Troas to check in there with the church there. Now, it's interesting that you have what's called in, in the Gospel of Luke or in the, in the story of Luke, the book of Luke, you have the we passages. And, and I think for most stories, it, it may be just worth a mentioning, but for us, it's important because whenever you have the we passages, the understanding from scholars is that that means that Luke, who's the author of Luke and Acts, that Luke is with them. So Luke is an eyewitness to the accounts that we're about to, to talk about with Eutychus and the church at Troas. So what's the significance about Luke being along in the journey? Luke is a doctor. Luke is present in this worship service where Eutychus falls out of the third floor. And as we saw there in verse 9, they go downstairs to find him and he's picked up dead. He's dead. There's a doctor there <laughs> to confirm this. And so Dr. Luke is reminding us is that when everybody gets downstairs, the worst thing that could have, could have thought of happened. And that this young man fell out of the third floor window, the balcony, if you would, and died. And they rushed down to see if they could help him, and he was, he was gone. He was dead. And yet Paul came down. And Paul came alongside of Eutychus. In fact, it says that, that he embraced him. We have to remember that, that there's some allusions, I think, to the Old Testament. If you remember some stories with Elijah and Elisha, a couple of times, I think, once each of them came across someone who, a, a child who had passed, a child who had died, and, and the parent had begged for, for mercy and had begged for life. And so here the prophet would, would lay upon this dead child and would bring life back into him. And this is the picture that we have. When Paul ran downstairs, you can imagine how heartbroken he was, how, how discouraged he was, how hurting he was when he saw this young man who had, had died. And he comes and, and the, the, the expression is that he laid upon him, embraced him, he held him close. And in that moment, in that experience, Paul felt the Spirit of God move in a powerful way. And he said, oh, church, people of God, do not be troubled. Don't, don't worry. Don't be afraid. You see, Eutychus's life, this young man's life, is still in him. It's still within him. And so they, they revive him, or, or he's... He's, he's understood to be breathing again, and, and they go back upstairs. And there, they share the Lord's Supper together with each other. 
They reflect on the death of Christ. They, they, they take the bread and they eat from the, the bread, remembering the body of Christ and how it had been beaten and bruised and broken. And then they took the cup and they remembered and reflected on the blood of Christ, how it had been shed, how it had poured out over Jesus, how He'd given His life freely, and how through that sacrifice, the Father had honored that sacrifice and the giving of the Son, and had raised Him again, had raised Him anew and afresh. Because the life was also in the Son. It was in Him. Don't, don't be afraid. Do not be troubled. For the life is equally as well in the Son. And you can imagine the powerful experience of worship they had in that moment as they broke bread together. It's interesting, the story tells us that Paul had, had come from Philippi just after the Passover. The church is still really early. It's still forming in its infinite days. Of course, we understand today the Passover is, is that great event that leads up to what we call Easter. It's, it's the event in Jewish life that was celebrated and reflected on remembering the Passover, remembering how, how God was faithful to the children of Israel and had brought them out of captivity in Egypt. And Paul had spent those days of Passover and of Easter in Philippi. And he came over. I remember the, the culture of the day, in, in the, even in the Greek culture in the Roman Empire, the, the Jews were given some grace and they were allowed to, to celebrate and to set apart the Sabbath day. Well, the Sabbath day was, was Saturday. And the Scripture's clear that this event is taking place on the first day of the week. It's, it's on Sunday. It's Sunday night church. Some of you remember Sunday night church, right? Sunday night church was great. It was fantastic. You, you would come, you'd have church, and then in the youth group, we'd always go out and eat pizza afterwards. We looked forward to Sunday night. It was a time when, when that core group got together. And they would study and worship, and they would fellowship with one another. And that's what's taking place here on this Sunday night. On this Sunday night. It's the first day of the week. Guess what? Eutychus has probably been to work, or he's been to school all day and yet he made the commitment to go because it was the first day of the week it was the day of resurrection and the people of God were gathering they looked like good Baptist folks in some sense because they were they were gathering to enjoy a meal a meal had been prepared hey after work tonight we're all gathering and we're gonna we're gonna enjoy a meal together and guess what you'll never guess who's gonna be here tonight Paul's going to be here. The, yeah, the, that one. The Apostle Paul. He's coming back through from Philippi. He's on his way to Jerusalem. And he's going to be here tonight. Come for dinner and we're going to have the Lord's Supper. And the people gathered. And, and that's why I think it was crowded upstairs. And they'd gathered to worship. And to spend that time together on Sunday night with each other. It was a sweet time. It was a special time. And then we see the story of what happened to Eutychus as he fell and as the Spirit of God made himself present and known. Now I can't help but think in that moment as Paul was delivering his farewell sermon, we, we look down into to, uh, a few verses later in chapter 20, Paul's on his way to Ephesus to say goodbye. 
And so what's called, at least in my Bible, in one of the titles, it says Paul's farewell message to Ephesus. And so what's taking place here is that Paul is headed back to Jerusalem. And he's come to Troas to check on the church, but he's also come to Troas to say goodbye. I'm not going to see you again. I don't know what, exactly what's going to happen in Jerusalem, but I'm coming back through here. Of course, we know the rest of the story that when Paul gets to Jerusalem, he's, he's arrested and he's taken to Rome where he's held in captivity. But there on that night in Paul's farewell sermon, in the incident with Eutychus, he's able to reflect on the power of the Spirit of God to bring life. Do not be troubled. Do not be troubled, guys. For His life, your life is in you. The life of Christ is within you. And it's interesting here in verse 12, Paul stayed the rest of the night and, and he shared and they talked until, until daybreak and I guess everyone had to go back to work. But the Scripture tells us they left comforted. They left encouraged. They left blessed. When everyone left church that day, that morning, they were renewed. They were strengthened. And while their bodies may have been tired, their spirits were strengthened. Their hearts were enriched. And life was good. Acts 2, I think, tells us, the, kind of presents the, the tenor, the attitude, the, the atmosphere, the, the climate of the church, of the early church. And in Acts 2, it says that the church, the members of the church, the people of the church were, were filled with awe and wonder. I imagine that's how they left Troas that morning. Filled with awe and wonder. Filled with awe and wonder about what God had done there in their midst. Graduates, you have a chance to be a part of a renewal and a revival in the church. I find it interesting. I, I believe with all my heart that Eutychus fell, as, fell asleep because he was exhausted. Eutychus didn't fall asleep because he was bored or because he felt the church was irrelevant. I think he was exhausted. And what breaks my heart, and I think what breaks the heart of so many today, is that when people sleep in church... I think it's because they're bored. Because they think church is irrelevant. They're just here because they have to be here to make somebody happy. They're not here to, to worship. And I understand we have to do our part. But oh, that we would again be the church that was filled with awe and wonder of what God was doing in our midst. Wouldn't it be great if we left this place today and said, wow, you wouldn't believe what God did today. You wouldn't believe what the Spirit of God showed us today. You wouldn't believe what happened to Eutychus today. Wow. Man, the Spirit of God was in church last night. And you missed it. Oh, that we could be that church filled with awe and wonder. And so for the class of 2019, what are you going to do? To engage the Lord and to engage the people of God. To engage the church in such a way that the church is known once again as a place of awe and wonder. Not as a place of 
being bored to death and of irrelevance. So let me share a couple of thoughts, actually three before we finish, specifically to the class of 2019. And hopefully, (laughs) the rest of us will be listening in, right? First of all, I want to encourage you, class of 2019, to see in this story of Eutychus the call to be holy. The word holy simply means to be set apart. And I think what was happening in the early church, what was happening in Eutychus's life right here, is that he had set apart Sunday night. They, the church had set apart Sunday night as a special night. It was a special time to gather together as the people of God and to worship and to reflect on the resurrection of Jesus and on the life that he gave us. They had set apart Sunday evening because they, had, they didn't have Sunday off. <laughs> but they still set it apart to come together and worship. So here's my question for you graduates. What are you setting apart What is holy in your life? Would you set some things apart? Would you set yourself apart? Would you set yourself apart from the culture that you live? To say, I'm, I'm a child of God. I am loved by God and created by God. I'm special. The Son of God died for me. And I live for Him. You are not You are not common. You are not unworthy. You are someone that God has died for. Would you set your life apart? Set your heart apart. Set your relationships apart. Set your attitude apart. If you would, turn to Philippians 2. As Clint mentioned earlier, one of the great, I think, privileges and honors that we have as a church is to mark in our graduates' Bibles. And this year I chose to, in each of your Bibles, to mark Philippians chapter 2. Verses 3 to 13. Would you set your attitude apart as holy? Paul says, have this attitude. Have this attitude which was in Christ Jesus. And this attitude says that we're going we're to consider others as more important than ourselves. We're not going to look out for only our needs. But we're going to look out for the needs of others. You see, that's an attitude that sets you apart from a selfish world from relationships that are based upon what can you do for me and here you have the chance to accept this call to holiness this call to be set apart and i think so much of that begins with your attitude your attitude to god your attitude to each other your attitude to just toward yourself would you consider others as more important than yourself. The second call that I want you to be aware of and to embrace over these, these next, uh, next weeks and years is the call to commence. Your life is in you. You need to understand, each one of you, your life is in you. You're 18, 19 years old, probably. Is there any 17-year-olds? Yeah, I was 17 when I graduated, so 18's coming quick. But you're 17, 18, 19 years old. Your life is in front of you. How tragic it would have been for Eutychus, a young man, to have lost his life in that moment. So much was ahead of him. Graduates, how tragic it would be today if your life was cut short. Because you have so much in front of you, so much to look forward to. Yet in so many different ways, I see, I see teenagers, I see young adults waste or throw their lives away. Would you make the commitment to commence? 
to commence life, to commence living. You have been set apart. You've been set apart by Christ for a, a life of good works, a life to make a contribution to your family, to your community, to your nation, to your world, to your neighbors. Graduates, your life is in you. Commencement. Commencement is not an end. It's a beginning. And yes, with commencements usually comes some sadness, some transition, some goodbyes. But that's okay. It's a part of embracing the life that's within you. Here's some words I want you to ponder. Words to think on and meditate on. What does it mean as a 17, 18, 19-year-old young man or young woman who loves the Lord? What does it mean to explore? What does it mean to create? What does it mean to decide? The decisions that you're going to make over the next four or five years will shape your life for the rest of your life. In one way, that's a lot of pressure. But in other ways, that's a great opportunity. Develop. Develop your intellect. Develop your, 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 your loves, your hobbies, your interests, your skills. Develop. And embrace the opportunities. Embrace the adventures that are before you. Your life is in you. It's just beginning. Lastly, the class of 2019. It's interesting in this story, it ends with the word of comfort. So I want to offer you the call to comfort. Do not be troubled, is what Paul would say. You may be one of the most troubled generations that's come along. You're the generation of PDS. Anybody hear PDS before this week? <laughs> Particularly destructive storms. Where in the world did that come from? <laughs> Only in Oklahoma. You're the generation of PDS, and we sit hours watching David Payne or whoever screaming at us to, to take shelter, to hide, right? Because destructive storms are coming our way. When I was growing up, you looked outside, and there's a storm coming, you go hide, right? particularly destructive. You're the generation of PDS. You're the generation of terrorism. You're the generation of school shootings. You're the generation because of digital news media, the world's problems are your problems. You're the generation of instant access. Instant gratification. You're the generation of tolerance and of license. And as a result, you're the generation that in so many different and difficult ways deals with depression and fear and anxiety. You worry, and then you worry some more. Hear these words. There is peace and comfort and well-being in the Lord. Proverbs 18.10 says this, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. Oh, that you would realize you can run to the Lord. He is a safe tower. In Him you'll find safety and shelter. Jesus says it this way in Matthew 6. Do not be worried about your life. Do not be worried about tomorrow. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I pray that you will pursue holiness 
that you will commence life in new and exciting ways. And that along the way, because life is filled with challenges and difficulties, life is filled with tragedies, but along the way, that you will find comfort. Set yourselves apart in Christ Jesus. Be fulfilled in life through Christ Jesus. Be comforted in Christ Jesus. This is a word of encouragement and blessing that we offer to each of you today. Let's pray.